Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You're listening on EWTN Radio or St. Gabriel Radio. Beyond Damascus is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus. We are the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, my name is Aaron Richards. I'm one of the... uh, co-host here on the show, and also one of the executive directors here at uh, Damascus, where we are working to awaken, empower, and equip a generation to live the adventure of the Catholic faith. Uh, Thanks for joining us for the Beyond Damascus show. We've got a fun one in store for you today. I'm joined here by my friends and brothers in Christ, Mr. Brad Pirin. Yeah, what's going on? Good to see you. Here we go. Hello, hello. Those high fives are getting crisp. Solid, solid high fives. And Mm -hmm. uh, Aaron's been working out too, because that one kind of hurt. It hurt, stung a little? Yeah. I, my, it's also my, cold outside. My <laughs> high five know. workout routine is. <laughs> He's been doing good. hand strengthening <laughs> exercises, push ups, putting in <laughs> the reps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, t- friends, today we're going to be uh, we're going to be reflecting on the life and the mission of uh, an, a tremendous influence on the church, mm-hmm. um, the late Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. All right, yeah. so, there you go. Uh, as you know, um, in the Catholic world, we are uh, just a, a few days past the passing of of a legend, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. And um, I thought maybe after we conclude prayer, we could jump into some stories about how his life has impacted us. And then my hope today is that we'd really uh, lock into maybe some of the ways that Pope Benedict has inspired mission in each of us. I know, I know that uh, talking with a number of priests who I admire, it's always been really interesting to see men who have identified themselves with like the John Paul II generation mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. how he really inspired their call to the priesthood. And in a lot of ways for us, um, John Paul II was on the way out when we were growing up in the faith. I know I was, I was deeply inspired by much of his theology and writing, but it was really Pope Benedict who- Was carrying it out. Who was, who was carrying the charge during our initial call to, to ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, uh, you know, the three of us are, are really the, the Pope Benedict, you know, generation in terms of having received our, our mm-hmm. call to mission during his leadership. Mm-hmm. So uh, Dan, why don't you open us in prayer and we'll, we'll go from there. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, we love you. We worship you. We adore you. We praise you. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Cardinal Ratzinger, the gift of Pope Benedict. We thank you for the gift of your leadership over the church, Lord, and the way you have sent amazing leaders into the church. Lord, we mm-hmm. pray that you would bless this episode, inflame our minds, inspire our hearts, that we would love you and serve you more. Lord, I pray that everyone who listens to this show today would have the fire of the Holy Spirit just stirred in them for the sake of mission. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Woo, woo. Amen. Amen. Uh, You know, it's fun. The Beyond Damascus show. So uh, like St. Paul, when he encountered Jesus, his life was transformed for mission. Um, you look to the life of Pope Benedict. I was doing mm-hmm. some research in kind of advance of today's show. Pope Benedict was the 264th Pope. Uh, apostolic succession is a real deal. It's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. It's so amazing. Uh, you guys have seen the the posters of of like the the apostolic succession of the popes. Mm-hmm. It's it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Well, yeah. um, what is it in Paul outside the walls? They literally have so many of the popes like surrounding yeah. the like upper portion of that beautiful basilica. Yeah. And you just see the pictures of all of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, Benedict's in that. Um, I, I was reflecting uh, this morning in preparation for the show. So I was in college when, I remember I was, I was in my freshman uh, chemistry class when Pope Benedict's election was announced. And um, it was funny, there were, there were many individuals who had various different reactions. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know enough about Cardinal Ratzinger to, to make a difference, but I remember um, a couple of the more progressively minded members of the staff at uh, the college, which shall remain nameless <laughs> for the moment where I attended. Uh, uh, Dan, you probably recall this. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was like, it was as if chaos had erupted in the church. Um, but I, I remember, I remember being, uh, being very encouraged having, having seen the holiness of this man as he stepped into, into those first few moments. What, what, what are some of the, some of the memories <laughs> that you guys have of, of Pope Benedict's election yeah. or papacy? Oh, I mean, I was at the same university at that time and there was, well, I was in the student center as they were announcing mm -hmm. the next pontiff. And it was interesting because uh, everyone knew if the name Ratzinger came, which there was some suspicion amongst the theologians at the school <laughs> that that may be one of the names. They knew that he was kind of the bulldog, right? The the tough, like mm -hmm. orthodox, mm -hmm. like stronghold yeah. German bishop. And um, and when his name was announced, as you said, like it was it was so interesting because you almost saw the dichotomy in the church where you had uh, one group that was like yeah, and then the other group that like it looked like the breath had been taken mm -hmm. from their lungs, knowing mm -hmm. that like women priesthood would have to <laughs> not happen. Not happen, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but it was, it was an interesting moment just to see, like, it was actually sad. I'm mm -hmm. like, wait a second. We, we, we're almost bringing our political agendas to mm -hmm. the papacy uh, as opposed to allowing like the Holy Spirit to, to truly move. It's not like, it yeah. wasn't like it was a, uh, a governmental election for the next president. This yeah. is like, we believe that this is a spirit filled election mm -hmm. and that the Holy Spirit gives us the next pope. Yeah. And so to to kind of see that was an interesting learning well, lesson. And, and as it as it turned out over the course of his papacy, um, I mean Pope Pope Benedict, I, I love that I love that German bulldog. I use it frequently as I'm as I'm teaching about him because mm -hmm. he speaks with such power and authority mm -hmm. that it's very difficult to argue his theology. Yeah, right. But at the same time, he's he's not a traditionalist, you know, in the radical sense of the of the term. So that that's what I think is fascinating about yeah. him. Is he actually he goes in? So he was brought to Vatican II as an expert theologian at the age of thirty five, which is crazy. Okay, yeah. so like at a very young age, they realize that this guy is brilliant, and he actually went into Vatican II like as a liberal. Like he was one that was mm. pushing for the reforms that the church was coming into. Interesting. And and what's amazing about it is he never changed. So they, they all saw him in a liberal light at that time. And then later we know him as the German bulldog. But he never changed <laughs> he his theology. Yeah, he was just consistent. <laughs> he was like, what we need to do is we need to bring the faith of the early church fathers into the church today because it's the answer to what the world's looking for. And like his, he actually stood in pretty, him with Karl Watiwa, who became John Paul II, like stood in pretty staunch mm. refutation of the people that were like, we need to change nothing. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, no, no. But then after Vatican II, both of those men, right, were like, yeah, but you're not taking it past what we've said as the church is true, yeah. right? And that's what you see in, I think, Ratzinger and later Pope Benedict's life is that he's this anchor. He's this anchor for the church that doesn't Good. allow it to go too far this way or to go too far that way. And that's why when he was elected, I, I was younger and don't remember it tremendously from like a theological perspective. But as I, as I got older, the different understandings you would hear, I was like, okay, well, let me look into him. And I was always like, 
shocked because I, I was reading him and I'm like, it doesn't seem like he's changed, but the yeah. parts of the church that dislike him have yeah. changed. And well, that, that's a tell of integrity, I think. And he's magnificently, I mean, Vatican II just called for a renewal of Christocentric catechesis, right? Uh -huh. And you just mm -hmm. see all throughout his pontificate, he yeah. is just marvelous, marvelously Christocentric. It's like everything is Jesus, 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 which mm -hmm. is just, it's just so powerful how yeah. he, uh, it's it's always fun kind of like reading the Vatican documents and being like, oh, that was John Paul II. Oh, that was Benedict. Yeah. And you like, yeah. you see their influence on those early documents and how they they did, they carried it out. So right. the, the church goes into incredible turmoil after a giant council like Huge. Vatican II. And the two of them were these steady anchors that helped us understand, okay, what is the Holy Spirit doing in the mm -hmm. church today mm -hmm. in a very healthy, holy, holistic way? Yeah, it said that his last four words when he passed were, Jesus, I love. Mm. Like, his love for Jesus is so evident. Like, yes, he's a, he's profoundly intelligent. Like, our church would be, like, <laughs> I don't know, lost in some of the theology of Vatican II without people like Emeritus Benedict. But, like, his love for Jesus, the Jesus of Nazareth series was really when I first— yeah interacted with Cardinal Ratzinger and it, it changed me like mm -hmm. reading it. Cause it's like, you love the man you're writing about, you know? And yeah, yeah he's an amazing man. Mm. That's amazing awesome. Man. Uh, he lived to the age of 95 too. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, again, in, in prepping for today's show, I, I, I think I saw my first, cause they, they didn't share a lot of photos of him oh. in yeah. recent years, but mm -hmm. I mean, the guy lived a full life. Yeah. He lived a full Born life. Born in 1927. That's crazy. Like he saw World War II. He saw yeah. like the, almost the entire 20th yeah. century. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So a uh, couple of the highlights, uh, you know, we used to do um, in our youth ministry program, Dead Theologian Society, where we'd go and we'd tell all the backstory. Yes. <laughs> I felt like I was doing some uh, DTS, DTS research, research yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. But so Pope Benedict was recruited by law to join the Hitler Youth Program. Right. In, in Nazi Germany. And he was, I think, 15 years old at the time. And within, within the course of four or five, or three or four years, he, uh, he was able to escape from that program right. so that he could go back to study in seminary. Mm -hmm. So from an early age, like this guy was, this guy was focused on, on a mission of justice and charity. Uh, I, I just, I can't imagine leaving conscripted service <laughs> yeah. to, to, to go and, and, Reengage in an illegal mm -hmm. underground seminary. Yeah. Well, it's also told that his father was staunchly anti-Nazi. So like his, mm -hmm. his father was taking a stand because he's from Bavaria, right? And so it's a super Catholic area. Yeah. And um, yeah, but to your point, like from the very beginning, he was trying to anchor himself in something that actually remedied all the issues that obviously he was close to well, in Germany. If you have a call, um, the call always risks you something, right? Like, and mm. I feel like so often in our modern context, we're like, oh, oh man, I don't want to do that because it's too like risky. Like he's literally risking his life in the most deadly culture, like in the, of the 19th century, I mean the 20th century. Yeah. And it's just like, he's going at it. And I think like when we evaluate the sacrifices of the call the Lord places on our life, mm -hmm. are we willing to take risks? Like, or are we just going to live in yeah. a comfort kingdom and <laughs> like do everything that's safe? And like he, sh he could have, yeah. and uh, that's he could really have just word. kept going along with culture and he could have just blamed it on like, well, this is yeah. what I was supposed to do. It's duty. It's I was righteous. forced to yeah. do this. Yeah. yeah. And and yet, and then no one would know his name if that were the case, right? That's so like, interesting. Yeah. But he, at, at the moment of the call, he made the decision to do what was risky yeah. and what God asked of him. Mm -hmm. 
And because of that, we know his name. And, well, and that's the type of stuff that, that establishes the character that then carries you on into mission. Yeah. You know, uh, again, I, I didn't, I'm sure if, if I had cared to research at a prior time, I could have known that. I could have known his backstory, but but you see those echoes evident through how he carried himself throughout the rest of his life. Yeah, he was mm-hmm. fearless. And then yeah. when like people would trash him, it was like, doesn't even phase him. He's like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> like, what, what's amazing too is what's, what's rumored about him is that he was actually like one of the best listeners you'll ever meet. That like he would sit, like even in the, the Vatican uh, to like um, stories that came out later, they would talk about this young, amazing theologian who would just sit take in so much, synthesize it and present it back. And like, we are going to get to read, like, I, I can't imagine how many books he's written over like the last 10 years, but his his ability to take in things and then present them to us so that we can move. I think that's a huge part of him. He's not just trying to inform you to inform you. He's yeah. trying to inform you so that you can move into something. Yeah. And that's, my goodness, like hmm. we would be remiss to well, not recognize what a blessing that is. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts. Or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. Are you ready to spread your wings? Wings is the weekly newsletter that's packed with exclusive news, program information, features, and updates of all that's going on at the Global Catholic Network. To sign up, go to EWTN.com, click subscribe, enter your name and email address, and you'll start getting your wings every week. Get your wings today. It's the weekly newsletter from EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Marcus Grodi and his son John Mark talk about the journey home. How do I feel about passing the baton to my son? I I am very excited about that. It's weird to be stepping into my dad's role here. I'm humbled and honored, obviously, by the privilege and by his confidence in EWTNs and the audiences. In some sense, this is something I've been around all my life. The journey continues on The Journey Home, Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, only on EWTN Radio and Television. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Beyond Damascus is the show where encounter meets mission. And uh, we could spend uh, an hour talking about the mission of Pope Benedict, but I, I want to uh, I want to maybe take this a different direction and speak about the ways that his work has uniquely charged us for mission. Mm-hmm. Um, friends, if if you're if you're spending some time researching the life of Pope Benedict, there's a there's a ton of material. There's uh, amazing um, resources that are available to reflect on his life, study his works. Um, if you know if you want some Cliff Notes versions of some of the teachings that he's done, some of the encyclicals, those are available. Uh, countless YouTube channels or podcasts. The direction that I'd like to take it today is not really reflecting on the what of his life, but but the impact of his teaching mm-hmm. on on the countless apostolates and, and ministries that have come since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I asked each of you guys to to maybe pick two or three specific phrases that uh, of Pope Benedict, specific teachings of his 
that have really charged us and impacted us for mission. And um, we'll spend the rest of the show kind of reflecting on those. And I'm excited for the for the dialogue. Yeah, yeah that's fun. You know, uh, I you you said Pope Benedict is not a, not a man who's afraid to to go under fire. Mm-hmm. And I, I think in the in the areas of theology that I have been tasked with kind of defending the faith, those have been the areas where I lean most strongly on his position. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll throw out some obscure ones. Uh, the one, the one that I'll lead with is whenever I'm asked to, uh, to lead a group in praying for baptism of the Holy spirit, Mm -hmm. the, the single boldest phrase, modern phrase, I suppose, uh, Praying for baptism of the Holy Spirit. I like to. I like to quote from from Pope Benedict <laughs> because everyone assumes like he's he's super this. traditional and orthodox. So we always he, just he's categorize against people. baptism yes. of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Surely he doesn't like the Holy Spirit. So uh, I'll, I'll quote. I'll quote the 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 great German bulldog. <laughs> May tongues of fire, combining burning love of God and neighbor with zeal for the spread of Christ's kingdom. Descend on all present. <laughs> That's, yeah, this was this was his call. So so one of the you know we, we like to talk about the new evangelization and Pope Benedict in reflecting on the new evangelization, John Paul II did the same, mm-hmm. but identifies that the new evangelization cannot be separated in any way from from the new Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that evangelization in the first place was only made possible because of the because of the experience of Pentecost, the miraculous mm-hmm. experience of the Holy Spirit coming and empowering mm-hmm. uh, the this generation, right? Yeah. And as John Paul II famously called the church to a, a, a new evangelization, mm-hmm. Pope Benedict identifies that, that cannot happen aside from a fresh outpouring of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I love that. You know, um, so many times we, uh, so many times we kind of skirt around the issue uh, and we're afraid to be bold enough to to pray in similar words, you know, may tongues of fire mm-hmm. descend on all present. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, combining burning love of God and neighbor with the zeal for Christ's kingdom. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right. Like, how can you read that outside of recognizing what he's saying is, in order for the new evangelization to take root, we need a new Pentecost because a new Pentecost allows us to live a new evangelization, which brings in a new springtime, which yeah. he prophesied and John Paul II prophesied that like, he, he was just going back to what, what does scripture say? What were the early church fathers experiencing? Indwelling of the Holy Spirit yeah. that led to radical mission, yeah. you know? And he saw a need for that in the world and called it out so clearly. And I, do, I just don't know how we, uh, uh, how we can overlook how amazingly impactful he is because he brings two bodies in the church that I think need yoking a lot yeah. and yokes them. You know, because yeah. so often we can operate independent of our brothers or sisters that think in maybe a different way than us. And he just goes, nope, it's both. I want you to know Jesus and know the truths of the faith. And I want you yeah. to know the Holy Spirit and the fire that he brings in your life. That's awesome. That's so I, awesome. I want to throw out another one. I'll take, I'll take the first two. <laughs> just, just in case you may have heard that phrase and thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe he's speaking, uh, yeah. speaking theoretically. Or right? we brought it out of context, right? <laughs> yeah. here's, here's uh, he didn't actually mean it. <laughs> so- uh, he he would he would go on to say this is um, this is at, on the solemnity of the baptism of the Lord. Praise the God! We're we're, yeah. we're recording on the solemnity of the baptism <laughs> of the Lord are. today. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was in two thousand eight. When somebody leads with these words, it's kind of a big deal. Christ's entire mission, he said, is summed up in this. Okay, so 
This is, this I hope, is a pay attention moment. I hope, I hope your ears have perked <laughs> Amen, amen, I say to you, dot, dot, dot. Christ's entire mission is summed up in this. Uh, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to free us from the slavery of death, and to open heaven to us. Uh, oftentimes when I when I quote those words, I like to first say that it is Bill Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh and then and then to reveal the the reality, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to free mm-hmm. us from the slavery of death, and to open heaven to us. Um you almost need a blind reveal. Like put the quote and then put a, like a, a silhouette <laughs> who, beside who, it. Who, who said this? this? Boom! It's the it's the German bulldog himself, the German yeah. shepherd Benedict. Yeah, yeah that's uh, awesome, Brad. When you were when you were speaking about the fact that uh, Pope Benedict beautifully sort of reconciles us um, to camps within Catholicism that may uh, seem oppositional to one mm-hmm. another, it's it's through phrases like this I feel where. Um, you know, he reaches into the heart of scripture and he, he effectively says, Hey, um, let there be no cause for concern, Mm -hmm. right? Let there be no cause for opposition among. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I find so much, so much consolation. Um, I like to, I like to share with our missionaries. Oftentimes we, we look to the support of the church sort of for permission to believe the words of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that can sometimes be a dangerous thing where, uh, where we are tempted to elevate uh, you know, tradition mm-hmm. to a point where if tradition doesn't say it, then I'm not gonna believe what scripture actually speaks. Mm-hmm. And the, the words of Jesus, the words of, of Paul, right? couldn't be clearer mm-hmm. about, about Christ's mission of bringing us to, to empowerment with the Holy Spirit. But, um, but to, to hear that reinforced, you know, time and time again, and to hear that reinforced with such authority, uh, it, it just, it brings, it brings peace and consolation. Um, the matter is finished, right? Well, and Benedict's not like, He's not on a soapbox for the charismatic no, renewal, no, 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 so he's not, not talking about like because uh, I think sometimes even the, what was so beautiful about both Benedict and John Paul II was that their theology truly all came from baptism. Like they, their yes. understanding of who we are <laughs> as Christian, it flows forth from this understanding of baptism and to to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to be uh, recreated in Christ Jesus, to be transformed into the new person, the yep. new man. It's like mm-hmm. that. It, you see all the missional, uh, all the missional activity in the 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 call to evangelization, the call to mm-hmm. receive this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that you see from both of these great pontiffs is it, it, it's so rooted in, mm-hmm. in in baptism that it's so misunderstood. Like yeah. we just we breeze over it, and it's yeah. like no, wait, in baptism you're recreated, you're set free from your sin, you're you're anointed priest, prophet, and king, you you're empowered with the Holy Spirit, you have infused faith, hope, and love, and you see these two theologians just. Uh, like almost so much of their theology is just truly, it's mm-hmm. just an unpacking of baptism and who we are as, as his sons and daughters. And there's something that uh, it's almost like the church lost, mm-hmm. lost the the value and the impact 
of our baptismal call. And Vatican II opened the door to that with the universal call to holiness, the universal call to mission. And it's like, let's just teach people again who you are called to be. So that's actually where Ratzinger is really unique too. So like even at Vatican II, right? A lot of the people coming to Vatican II were out of the like neo-scholastic class. So a lot of them were studying Aquinas and they had a lot of the like rationale for our faith down. But like Ratzinger, interestingly enough, actually wasn't primarily studying Aquinas. He went to Bonaventure. Yeah. The Franciscan, right? And before Bonaventure, Augustine. So he actually was going back because what he was saying is exactly that. He was saying, we have learned how to rationalize our faith, which is so good and important. It's Mm -hmm. so good and Mm -hmm. important. But at the end of the day, what is the simplest aspect of our faith that was understood even at the beginning? that we need back now. So it's yeah. it's yeah. easy to see how he made the move to baptism because he went yeah. back to the church fathers who are all talking about what Jesus was doing in scripture. And what did Jesus do in scripture? He was baptized by John the Baptist and then the father's blessing yeah. came over him. Yeah. And of course he makes that move. Like, And I think that that's the brilliance there is now we live in this age where we can take in the rationality of Aquinas and the impactful understanding of Augustine and then back into the church fathers that Ratzinger mm-hmm. brought back alive. So this is a really interesting point. Well, first of all, that's mind-blowing that the greatest German theologian of the modern world was more Bonaventure than than It's just, that's shocking, right? Because German theology <laughs> is so uh, uh, yeah. Thomistic. Yeah. But at the same, it, so seminaries, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's interesting because the full impact of Benedict's and, and you know Ratzinger's oh. theology has not been realized yet in the church because Seminaries are so Thomistic, they mm-hmm. don't know how to incorporate often mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. his theology. And so you don't see his theology in, in seminary life very much. And because of that, his theology isn't being, it's not, it's not being studied, it's not being evaluated, it's not being implemented as much. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's going to become known as the new Thomas Aquinas. I think his theology is actually going to have a great, as great of an impact on the future of the church as Thomas Aquinas' theology had uh, the last 500 years. I think the next 500 years, we're going to see this unpacking, mm-hmm. which is going to reveal, if you will, this Franciscan thought, this uh, Augustine That's thought back into that Augustine, has been, yeah. yeah, that has been dormant in our church. Mm-hmm. And uh, I honestly think the, uh, like, Augustine thought the Bonaventure Franciscan yep. thought is actually way more conducive to evangelization in the modern world, in the modern world than mm-hmm. Thomistic thought. Not to say I don't like Thomistic thought. I think it's it's wonderful, but Thomistic thought is it, it's rationalization, which is really hard in this this world that doesn't care about rationalization anymore. Mm-hmm. They yeah. they want experience, they want understanding, and so. I think Pope Benedict saw that. So yeah. that, that's what I'm saying is that quote that you're mentioning, Aaron, can you say it again? Because I think what, yeah. like the reason he's going to these quotes is precisely that. He's saying, yes, we can rationalize all day, but if you're starting from di- disparate paths, yeah. it, it's actually experience that's yeah. gonna bring these yeah. together, I think. Christ's entire mission is summed up in this, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to free us from slavery of death, and to open heaven to us. Exactly. Yeah, and, and Augustine, that's so clearly Augustinian. Like, like, <laughs> like le- legitimately, Benedict, he said that like, if he was ever on an island, he would take the Holy Scriptures and the confessions. Like, that's what he would take. And like, he, this, this, it comes out of this heart of, well, I mean, look at Augustine, radical yeah. conversion. Yeah. It mm-hmm. comes out of a heart of radical conversion and radical conversion that happened through an experience of God. That yep. leads right? to a radical response. And Augustine yep. was beautifully rational. That dude was brilliant Mm. and it was an experience that brought him to God. And I think Benedict related to that of like, I mean, Benedict's, like his intelligence is through the roof. But he saw that like, in order for this intelligence to be grasped, 
Yeah, there's something that Holy Spirit's doing to yep. make it tangible. Mm. So, so I, I, I uh, led in saying that we're going to speak about how these things have inspired us for mission. And I know for me personally, it was, it was uh, statements like this mm-hmm. that in, that inspired me in a time when I even myself was questioning whether this is safe, right? And uh, as you probably have picked up, if you've watched the show a time or two, yeah, mm. that uh, our work of mission is impossible without relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Good luck trying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I know for, for many of us, myself included, you know, there will come times still where I will, for whatever reason, feel hesitant or um, feel, you know, like, all right, uh, you know, God, you've, you've told me to do this. This is going to be, it's going to be better. It's going to be more authentic. It's going to be easier if I, if I just buckle down and, mm-hmm. and do it on my own strength. Right. And it is, I think it's, it's words like this. It's phrases like this that say, no, you've got to, you've got to place your trust in, in mystery in order to be empowered yeah. to see, to see the transformation that I've promised for you. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I can I can trace back, and I think we've had a couple shows where I've given some testimony about the various points where truly uh, an experience of baptism of the Holy Spirit has mm-hmm. has transformed my mission. Uh, I, you know, there's there's no greater thing that's had impact on my mission mm-hmm. than 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 prayer for for surrender and receiving baptism of the Spirit, and and I think to to have to have Dad put his hand on your shoulder and say this is right. good. Yeah, well, those points of transformation. So like when we look at our natural lives, like I graduated high school, I graduated college, something ended and something new started. Like you you think back and you remember, like I remember my last football game, like something ended and something else that I didn't know was starting. In the supernatural realm, right? Like in our spiritual lives, that's the case too. And like, I I hope those listening today, like that's what baptism in the Holy Spirit does. It's those points that we look back and we say, Mm. man, something ended in a way and something new started. Like I don't, yeah. I, and, and I'm learning what that new is as I'm experiencing yeah. it, but something changed. Yeah. And uh, like, um, well, I guess we're going to do the Augustine thing. Augustine once said that like, he who receives the Eucharist in faith receives fire. Yep. Right. And that they were called to actually allow that fire to purge them and then to spread in the world. And mm. Benedict in a very similar way makes that move of like, when the Holy Spirit touches your life, he changes you and then you change the world. It, and that's straight out of Vatican II, the universal calls to holiness and mission, which we talk about all the yep. time, yep. but all of it's in those quotes, right? And so, I mean, it's inspired every apostolate in the Western yeah. world, you know? Yeah. And I think <laughs> credit's just do there. Like what an amazing man. Yeah. Like I, I pray that he's a profound intercessor <laughs> for all of us, yeah. you know? Dan, what you got? Uh, what, what are some words from Pope Benedict? <laughs> it's funny because when we were bantering um, about what we were going to do on this show, I was like, man, I just don't know how much Benedict's theology has impacted my ministry. And <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I mean, I literally wrote my first book and like sold 100,000 copies of this book based off of just one simple phrase of this man that like shifted my entire life. So his, um, his first World Youth Day in Cologne, Germany mm-hmm. um, uh, in 2000, 2005. I wasn't, I wasn't there present. I wasn't even really paying attention to world youth day. Um, and, but I was youth minister and, um, after world youth day had ended, I, you know, went on Vatican's website and just printed off all the different talks. And uh, I mean, all the different homilies, uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, from Benedict and, uh, I'm in the adoration chapel. I'm just reading his, his homilies and he, 
you know, he just talks about this, the, the state of the world. And he, he was just sharing how our world is in dire need of a spiritual revolution of holiness. And I don't, I don't know why, but those words just really resonated with me that this, mm-hmm. this world was in, in dire need of a spiritual revolution of holiness. And I think it's interesting, a man who grew up in the midst of uh, communism and the, the Nazi Holocaust and all of that, mm-hmm. this, that he just sees the darkness of the world and he starts crying out for this spiritual revolution of holiness. And, um, and it's, you know, having seen like a man having seen so much violence in his life, like choosing to use a word like revolution, uh, a violent word, if you will, this yep. overthrow, um, but point, but using holiness as the, the, the kind of revolution the world needed that mm-hmm. um, that the church needed to to call to arms. It was this call yeah, to arms, yeah. right? And uh, and then he <laughs> says, only from God, only from the saints does true revolution come, and that we would be a people. And that I that that those words, only from the saints will revolution come. This um, it, it inspired within me this eager longing, this desire to just be as holy as I can to shift the world around us. And, you know, the, I, I, I don't know, I'm kind of a history buff. Like I love American history and grew up in a military family and all of my uncles, my dad, they were all military. And so like, I love the American revolution. Right. And the, uh, so just the word revolution speaks to my heart just naturally because, uh, my hunger for freedom and mm-hmm. this, this call to, okay, so what is a revolution? It's this uprising of people uh, and often young people, right? And he's speaking to million, like mm-hmm. millions of of young people. It's an uprising of young people who see the world as it is and say, "Listen, I'm not going to live my life allowing the world to exist the way it is." But there's something about a revolutionary who says, "I'm going to sacrifice everything I have to shift this world mm-hmm. because the world needs to look different." And yeah. that there's these authorities that lay hold to our uh, of our world. That I'm sick of, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fight against these authorities. And you see, Benedict, he does this in his pontificate, where he fights against these authorities that lay hold of the culture, like mm. individualism, relativism, uh, materialism, communism, and he fights against these authorities, spiritual mm-hmm. authorities, right? And he says, "Let's let's go, let's shift the way the world thinks." And it inspired in me just this, I, I don't know, like a prophetic fire, a fight, a a boldness. And I, I think for me, for mission, it was like, okay, not only am I going to live a revolutionary mm-hmm, like yeah. revolutionary life, but I want to bring people into a revolution that like mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna be frontline fighters, Thomas Aquinas says. Yeah. So the confirmation makes us frontline fighters of the faith. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts. Or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. He was a doctor of the church and one of the greatest defenders of Christ's divinity. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. Athanasius of Alexandria fought against the Arian heresy that questioned the divinity of Christ. He once condemned the Arians as opposers of Christ who had dug a pit of ungodliness. It was said of him, Athanasius contra mundum, Athanasius against the world, but for Christ. He died in 373. To find out more about the doctors of the church, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. 
By providing quality programming faithful to the teachings of the Catholic Church, EWTN is television that viewers can trust. Whether it's films, documentaries, news coverage, lively discussion shows, or kids' programs, we highlight the truth that is the eternal word. For a complete schedule of EWTN television programs, visit EWTN.com and click TV. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I had a couple things come to mind, but I, I want to present, I think, just probably the simplest one. So like both of you are saying, there's been this, um, I would say, burden on my heart since I encountered Jesus that I wanted everyone to know that life with him was possible, that he was real, that he was calling them personally, and they needed to do something. Like, they needed to act. Yeah. Like, that just from the very beginning. And um, I stumbled on this quote from... Benedict, probably like two years into my conversion. And for those listening, I always say like when I, I, I need to clarify conversion, two most important days in a Catholic's life, the day they're baptized, the day they find out why. Took me 20 years to find out why. That's what I'm calling my conversion. So two years after that, I'm like reading through some of Benedict's writings and I stumble on this quote that says this, the church exists to do three things, to worship, to evangelize, and to care for the poor. Simple. And it just rocked me because it, it just took everything that I had been wrestling with conceptually and things like that, coming up with the best strategy for a diocese, the best strategy for a campus ministry. And it's like, that's what the church exists to do. So we need to provide avenues for the church to do those three things, mm -hmm. you know? And so then I just did a really deep dive into Jesus of Nazareth and other things to try to catch his heart. Like, what does he mean? I, I read Spirit of the Liturgy. Like, what does he mean by worship? He means a lot of things by worship, right? <laughs> yeah. Like he means a lot of things by worship. What does he mean by evangelize? He means a lot of things by evangelize. What does he mean by care for the poor? He means a lot. And, and I think what it did for me, because anyone listening, you guys know, especially, my heart is that the church would be on mission again. I think we've lost mission in the Western world, which is why we're losing people from the pews. Mm. I don't think it's because our teachings are outdated. I don't think, I think it's because we've lost zeal. We've lost confidence. We've lost the ability to look at someone and say, hey, I know, I know that what you're going through is hard, but the solution's found in Jesus. And I can show you, just follow me, imitate me imitating Christ, like the Paul type evangelization. Anyway, his differentiation, which is where I wanna throw it to you guys to see your thoughts on it, of evangelize and care for the poor changed my life because mm -hmm. the only evangelization I knew before I was 20 years old is care for the poor. And if those were the same thing, if they were mutually inclusive, then he would say the church existed to do two things, you know, <laughs> but he doesn't. He says it exists to do three things, yeah. which I think is really profound. So mm -hmm. there's something different in serving and sharing. There's something different in literally sharing the good news and serving from the heart of God. Yep. They, they both matter. I'm not saying one is better than the other. What I'm saying is he differentiated them on purpose. Yeah. And so now in my life, I'm just obsessed with this wrestle of like, what does it mean for every person in every state of life to both share and serve, right? Yes, we all need to worship and then we need to share, evangelize, euangelion. We need to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the victor. Yep. And we need to care for the poor, which means, yes, the, the, the poor in the streets, of course, but also the poor in spirit, 
the, the poor that wouldn't have something unless I brought it, yeah. right? That what, what poor means is I'm deficient in something unless it's provided by someone else. So Which anyway, that's so clearly my, written in scripture. I mean, so Jesus, clearly, yes. Jesus clearly cares for the poor and he clearly proclaims the kingdom. Yes. And then when he commissions us, he commissions us to do these two things as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even in church tradition, you have the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy. Mm-hmm. It's care for the, the bodily needs Good. of man yeah. and the spiritual needs yep. of man. And so, and the only reason, the only way that we can have that disposition of heart is through love. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it, mm-hmm. or I mean, I'm sorry, through worship, sure, which leads sure. to love of love, man, yeah. which leads yes. to evangelization. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And this poor. one's like it. Yeah. Love your neighbor. Well, and it's so, I mean, uh, his, his, his pontificate is is so unexpected and it's so, it goes against all preconceived notions of what I was hearing when I was a young 20 year old in college mm-hmm. that so I heard and it, it even goes beyond if you actually look at his, his pontificate it's very different than what most people who have an agenda ascribe to him right mm-hmm. so you'll have you'll have people that are agenda driven who are ascribing this is what Benedict says and it's very like um, ultra traditionalist, right? Uh, all all Latin mass type stuff, and then mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then like when he was elected, like all the the progressive the theologians of the liberals of the church were like, oh no, like he's just going to be this insane like 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 mean, nasty, yeah. horrible person who doesn't love people, and then like all of his encyclicals are just about love. It's just yeah. like his concern was, I want you to evangelize, I want you to care for the poor, and I want you to worship the living God mm-hmm. because. That's love, and yes. that's the perfection. You do, you encounter love himself, and then love himself becomes the perfection of charity. Love itself lived throughout you, and yeah. there's like his his pontificacy. If if one word summarizes, I really think it's it's love. It's yep. it's caritas. Yep. Yep. It was his it's agenda. Caritas. Yeah, like mm-hmm. caritas was his agenda. He he had a. He did have a social agenda and he had a theological agenda and they're both represented in caritas. Yeah, well, they're derivatives of. Yeah. Right, because that's what we do sometimes is we put these like little smaller agendas as the primary agenda and, yeah. it, and it messes things up yeah. because then we die and on even, hills we don't have to. Even his liturgical agenda, if you will, is that yeah. service to love of God. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild. Mm-hmm. But I was, I've been looking for a chance to sneak in a line here or there, but <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the entire theme. Right of everything he writes, it's, yeah, as a pon- his, uh, his his three um, uh, letters, uh, Deus Caritas Est, of course, God is love, <laughs> right? Um, Spes Salvi is mm. is incredible. There's there's some just amazing uh, statements here. I want to read. I want to read one, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. Brad, I know you'll love this because you're on a, a hope kick recently. Yeah. <laughs> Brad is on a hope kick. I like it. It's a good <laughs> kick. The dark door of time of the future has been thrown open. He says, the one who has hope lives differently. The one who has hope has now been granted the gift of a new life. He says, the Christian message is not only informative, but performative. That means the gospel is not merely a communication of things that can be known, but it's one that makes things happen and is life-changing. And then, and then his, in his, his, third, uh, his third apostolic letter, Caritas Veritate, right? Um, like Dan, you said this. This could have been perceived as something, you know. It, it's it's about those those scary words, social justice, right? Yeah, but it yeah. but it roots justice in love. Yeah. Um. Just just a profound yeah. profound reflection. It makes things happen. I mean, like that's like yes, like love. When I when I embrace love, it makes things happen in me and makes things happen through me. Yeah. And this is the this is the false dichotomy that that I I. 
I don't know, in my own heart, I just attack all the time. It's like, yes, God wants to do more in you than he wants to do through you, but that should prove to you fascinating because of how much he wants to do through you. (laughs) Like, don't lose sight of that. Like, I think sometimes because of our temperaments Mm. and things like that, we want to excuse part of the whole. Like, we're called to worship, to evangelize, and to care for the poor. Like, I'm extroverted. I'm an external processor. I get a lot of life from people. That doesn't give me an excuse not to sit down with Jesus every day, right? Like, I need to sit down in the quiet, and I need to get on my knees and be before the Lord that I love. And that's hard for me, you know? And then others are like, yeah, it's really hard for me to get my nose out of a book because I would just sit in the scriptures with the Lord all day. Great. Well, now we have different sides that are difficult, but it doesn't give either of us excuses not to pursue the other. And I think that when you hear a word like what Benedict says there, it makes things happen. Like allow that to happen in you and then through you. I think that, I think what you're saying, Brad, is if, if you, if you want to evaluate whether or not your, your prayer is useful or yeah. efficacious or authentic, <laughs> right? Is what's, what's the fruit of it? Like is, is your time with the Lord this time of worship? Is it producing greater love in your life? Mm-hmm. And if it's, if it's not, then like something probably has to change in your prayer life, right? Mm-hmm. Or you need to go, go mm-hmm. into that chamber more because mm-hmm. like, evangelization and care for the poor seem to me just, just be the natural overflow of mm-hmm. worship. So mm-hmm. when I, I live a life of worship of God and I encounter love himself like love himself propels me to evangelize. Love himself propels me to care for the poor. And and the the beauty of the variety of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which I've been in my prayer to the Holy Spirit recently, I've just been naming the Holy Spirit love instead of like calling him like, so like love, I love you or or mm-hmm. love and, and like having conversations with him and, and, and ascribing love as his name. And I think what um, it's like love he pours out his gifts and, 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 and those gifts are love himself, right? Cause mm-hmm. it's not just the gifts of the Holy spirit it is it is the, the gift of the Holy spirit and the gift of the Holy spirit is the gift of love living in me. And that gift of love living in me is manifested through me. And it gets manifested mm-hmm. through the way I care for the poor, the sick, the lonely, the dying, the suffering. It's, it's manifested through the way I care for those who, uh, by instructing the ignorant and sharing the truth and, and sharing good. the good news of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, as love fills my heart, love fills my lips, love fills my hands, love fills my feet, love fills my eyes, mm-hmm. and I'm able to be an extension of Christ in the world. And it's it, his his encyclicals lay this out so beautifully, right? Mm-hmm. That it all goes back. What is love? Well, how do we understand what love is? And God is love, and God is God's love is lived in so many ways throughout our life. And let me add one thing to that, and then Aaron, I wonder what you think about it. I I think I agree. So like if you if you're um, looking at your prayer time and to what what um, degree is is the prayer time efficacious, things like that. You judge a tree by its fruit. We read yeah. that in scripture. But I think we need to judge fruit in two ways, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's a quality of fruit that are coming from my branches. And then that fruit, when it falls, bears seed and grows trees around me. And see what happens sometimes is I think we, we think about... Um, the fruit that it's bearing in my own life. Like, am I more virtuous? Am I more character bound? Am I more disciplined, right? Those things matter a lot. And we should judge fruit in that way. We should also judge fruit off when my fruit falls and the seeds spread, are those trees healthy too? And to what degree have I made an orchard? No matter how big that is, but like the fruit is not just an internal manifestation of quality, but also an external manifestation of quantity. Like my prayer should change me and should also change at least the people immediately yeah. proximal to me. That's right? beautiful. The Christian, the Christian community is both a cause and a reaction. Mm. Yes. Right? That, that we, 
we cannot we cannot sustain ourselves on our own. We don't live in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And also the evidence of a life fully lived will be others, right? Right. Um, gosh, I was just sharing on this the other day. I wish I had that quote at the tip of my tongue, but um, you know, if if we are not bearing fruit, mm-hmm. then we're failing in our in our primordial call, right? That that first mm-hmm. call that God gave to man was was be fruitful and multiply, like yep. fill the earth and subdue it. That uh, if our if our mission is not um, multiplying, mm-hmm. right, then it's then it's dying. Right. Very interesting that we don't actually go back to that call more often in the missionary mandate too. You know, yeah. I think the we've limited it simply to um, procreation yeah. <laughs> and not the great commission. Well, I was thinking yeah. about that even in that tree now, be fruitful and multiply that quantity, that external, um, subdue it, subdue the earth, like discipline. Like there, it's, o- it's always been okay. out and in. Yeah. It's always been out and in. Like it's up, out and in, right? Like up the worship, out evangelization in the prayer, the holy, like it's always, mm. it's always been up out and in. Mm. But that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, Thanks. praise, Thanks praise the Benedict. Lord, yeah. praise the Lord for an incredible man um, who's, who's impacted each of us uniquely. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know who's impacted um, millions, millions of Catholics in the church today. Uh, if you don't know that you've been impacted by Pope Benedict, well, you have. <laughs> you have, yeah. Uh, and look uh, into him, honestly. It'll it, change your life. I'll, I'll throw out one more that's just funny. Uh, the not so much funny as much as I, I love to I love to toss this again. One of the one of the criticisms that that has been levied against us once or twice has been as the Holy Spirit's manifested himself here at Damascus, particularly through uh, miracles of healing. Mm-hmm. Um it, it tends to make people uneasy a little bit. So I like mm-hmm. to, I like to just quote the great Pope Benedict XVI. Mm-hmm. Healing is an essential dimension of the apostolic mission and of Christianity. When understood at a sufficiently deep level, this expresses the entire content of redemption. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so there you have it. Yes. Well, yeah. He goes on. He has a couple. Um, Wait, I just, I just like how Aaron just says it and then says nothing. <laughs> well, here's what's here's what's funny. You know, and again, I, I, I. I jest. You guys, you guys know this. Um, I I love and appreciate and and preach about frequently the deep, meaningful theology of redemptive suffering. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but understand that that healing is the entire content of redemption. That redemptive suffering exists for the sake of healing. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and. and- Ultimately, my suffering will end, and I'll be in heaven where I'll be fully healed, where God will wipe every tear unless, from my eyes. Unless you deny it, because you prefer suffering, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. which is hell. Yes, no, right. eternal suffering. Well, I was just about to say that because he's so he's so like um, he's so centered on Jesus that it would it would be like saying um, to not be able to hold redemptive suffering and healing together would be like saying if we spend too much time on the theology of the resurrection, we would not have adequate theology on the suffering death of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, like, They're no, they actually go together. They, <laughs> yeah. they actually, because that's the way God made yeah. it to go. Like, no, no, one, and that's, I think, a flaw in the church sometimes is we think that a rising tide sinks some ships. It's like, no, it, it raises all of yeah. them. Like, yeah. the more we understand healing, the more we understand suffering. The more we understand suffering, 
the more we understand. We, we can go into that in great in depth a in a subsequent episode, show. Yeah. I just wanted to toss that out there for the sake of being provocative. Yeah. Yes. But no, he's a gift. Honestly, he's such a gift. Yeah. Thank God for him. I yeah. was uh, reflecting on when he passed, just my son Giovanni was like, I don't understand how there was two popes, dad. Like, and, and, uh, so I kind of just explained how he retired. And um, I just the, the, it, that was pretty controversial when he decided mm-hmm. to retire mm-hmm. and just that like the amount of humility that must have taken um, for him to make that decision. And it's just like that had like, first of all, the fear that that must, that decision may have had, like, yeah. I don't, as, as the Holy father, <laughs> I don't want to make the wrong decision here. Right. And the, yeah. the amount of intimacy he must have had with the voice of God, not to take like man's approval or man's suggestion, but just like, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit and what he's instructing on me to, to do, and I'm going to do it, even though I'm the first of 264 to ever do this. And um, I'm not the first, first in 600 years. Well, okay. That, <laughs> okay, there you go. Is yeah. that how long it had been? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and then to uh, to to know that there was going to be such controversy that followed and mm-hmm. just that this insane act of humility, this insane act of um, obedience mm-hmm. to God's word in his mm-hmm. own private life, yeah. I think is is profound. Certainly. That's beautiful. Let's, let's close in prayer. Uh, you know, we will, we will pray for, for the intercession of, um, all the popes who've gone before us and for the prayers of Pope Benedict. We pray for Pope Benedict for his soul. Um, uh, let's go ahead and begin in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. 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 Lord, we are immensely grateful for, uh, for a man who's, who has impacted the church, a man who you chose to lead us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're grateful for, uh, we're grateful for that decision, God, for for sending a man who was able to uh, speak truth where it needed spoken, to inspire hearts in need of inspiration, God, and to call each of us to mission in a radical way. We pray, Jesus, that you would receive his soul um, into eternal glory. Uh, we pray um, that everybody who who has heard his words would be moved to, to a passionate response. And we pray also for, for maybe those who, uh, who were, um, for those where division uh, was a response, Jesus, that, that you would bring healing and restoration. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I hope that you were inspired by today's show. Uh, you know, we, we only scratched the surface. If you want to do a little research for yourself, all of, all of uh, Pope Benedict's apostolic exhortations would be, would be worth a read. Mm-hmm. And again, if you have trouble with the full text, feel free to check out some of the summary notes. Oftentimes those reflections are uh, maybe even more impactful and at least easier to digest. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us for Beyond Damascus. This is the show where encounter meets mission. Special thanks also to our friends at St. Gabriel Radio and all those who have made it possible for us to accomplish this show. And uh, we're grateful for you for joining us today. This show wouldn't be possible, or at least we'd look pretty silly if you weren't <laughs> part of our uh, every weekly routine. <laughs> so God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next time. Friends, thanks for listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You can listen to the whole version of today's show by searching for Beyond Damascus on YouTube or your favorite podcast app.